Hello, friends. It's me, your best friend, Business Cat. You have found your way back to us right here at the Rock Paper Bitcoin Podcast. I'm so happy you're here. In this episode, Fundamentals and I, what did we get into? We talk about Shane Gillis. We talk about Star Trek. We talk about the uh, interesting fish connection to Star Trek. Yeah, uh... We talk about Swan and Binance, trouble they're getting into, and we uh, end by talking about FASB. What is it? What's FASB stand for? The Financial Accounting Standards Board, I believe. If you like our content and would like to support the show, listen to it using any podcasting 2.0 enabled app and stream us apps while you listen. Leave us comments. We'd love to hear from you. If you're a Bitcoin miner and you're feeling generous, you can contribute a bit of your hash power to us using any Lincoin Stratum address and our show's username, Rock Paper Bitcoin. The connection details will be in the show notes. Finally, dear listener, thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to us. It really does. Let's get into it. first but then you didn't say i was looking at the user interface and it (laughs) normally gives me like the countdown from five and it just said five instead of five four three two one just five so i was waiting but it was doing the wayne's world you know where the wayne's world countdown where he says five and then stops saying it but i'm embarrassed to say i've never seen wayne's world i'm the i'm the exact right (laughs) age to have seen it and i am a bit of a film buff but i've never actually seen wayne's world anyway I do recommend it. It holds up. My uh, my my wife and took both of the kids to the park this morning. This is her first outing on her own with both of them. So the house, That's yeah, there's going to be no uh, no audio texture today of children screaming or thumps from upstairs. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how hearing how she does. It's kind of a bummer. I usually rely on uh, Eleanor to tell us. It is. It's good. It's good in, background like you know, ambiance. Close energy. to an hour. Yeah. Right. Nice. So, so we, we before nice. we were chatting, and they were like, "We let's just record so that we can keep going, and then we don't have to think about it." So, yeah, we we were talking about uh, our next podcast recording is going to be, I think, our first in person recording with uh, fundamentals here coming up to our place. So, yeah, ne- next weekend is our the next Central PA Bitcoiners Meetup event from ten to noon at Bosler Library in the basement. If anybody would like to attend, your uh, your earliest you could be hearing this is on Thursday, so you have two days to get there to get it on your schedule and get there. Um, but if you're listening to it later, then this is, it already happened and I'm so, I'm so, so sorry. Uh, but yeah, that's coming up. And then after that, I think we're going to have you guys over. Yeah. You and your daughter are going to come over and we're going to lay down a live recording for the first time and we'll find out how chaotic that actually is. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. This is really special. I mean, special for a lot of reasons. I'm really, I'm excited to, you know, see baby and all that, but like, it's also special, you know, my daughter, Um, she goes to Penn State in Harrisburg campus right now. And I've talked about on the podcast before how I've dragged her to a couple of meetups. Um, Interestingly, you and I met because we were going to visit Penn State and your meetup happened to be that night that we were traveling. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to stop on the way. And, you know, that was like a year ago. And, um, you know, little by little, she's showing little bit more Bitcoiner, uh, you know, Bitcoiner growth. And so like several weeks ago, um, she had to buy her books. Um, and so she had to, she bought them and I told her I'd reimburse her. And I asked her, do you want, um, do you want fiat? Or do you want Bitcoin? And she answered Bitcoin. And that's a big deal. That's like the first like real praxeological choice, willful choice she's really made to say, you know what? I prefer Bitcoin. In this situation, I mean, if she's in the area, so that, I mean, Penn State Harrisburg isn't super; is not like next door to me. So, like, she would have to no, jump but, on the road for a bit to get here. But I mean, if she's interested in earning some sats, it's like uh, we are we are stepping into the era of our life when we are actively looking for childcare and like, hey, you want to? So, what are you doing this weekend? You want you want to you want to come over um, and uh, well, watch the kids tonight while we go out to a movie? It's definitely on the table i believe and so i was really excited this time around because well so we're gonna go see trey anastasio on the 17th the sunday so that was something we had been planning for two months 
before you know before I even sent her, I'm like, hey, Kez, what? I got an occasion to come out to go see Trey. You want to come see him with me? And she's like, hell yeah. And um, so, but then you guys, as you guys like to do, schedule your meetups. <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of coincident with my ability to get out there, and kind of not. And um, so I told I told Kayla, I said, um, all right, I'm coming out Saturday morning. I got to go to a meetup and then I can come meet you and, you know, all that. She says, I'd like to go to the meetup. Whoa. So that was like for now. Now she's like kind of willfully. I don't know if she really just wants to get off campus and <laughs> do anything. It's, but it's like, been on my radar that college students are a good avenue of like a, a way that we could expand the growth of the central PA Bitcoiners. I mean, like central PA is I'm we, we are in the capital region. But I mean, if you look geographically at the map, I mean, Penn State, like proper Penn, up in State College is in central Pennsylvania. And as far as I'm aware, there's no Bitcoiner presence. I mean, I'm sure there's Bitcoiners up there, but I, I've never seen or heard of any actually like organized Bitcoiner presence up there. So, I mean, that that is a front that I mean, well, we as we're getting our legs under us down here. Yeah, she's moving up there. That's right? absolutely true. We do have we she'll be she's in Harrisburg for one year. Um you know, look, I grapple with the price of college as it is relative to the value I get, right? You guys know my opinions on school, schooling and all that. I do consider her education valuable that I do pay for it, but Penn State offered a pretty sweet deal to leave her off of main campus for a year, and we took it, and um, it's great. Uh, we do have a guy in our meetup who is like, I could say he is Penn State. You know, they say we are Penn State and all that that thing, but this dude is Penn State. And so shout out. I don't know if you'd want to say his name, but like, I mean, he knows who he is. Yeah. Um, and we all, all of us in the group know who he is. <laughs> I, I'm a Penn State grad. I did, I did all four years at Penn yeah. State Harrisburg. I was on, I, I used my GI Bill, so I wasn't paying for it. I mean, directly, it was an indirect payment for it, but. Yeah, Penn State Harrisburg was great. I had, I had a yeah. really fantastic um, time there. So I, she's, that's a great place for her to start. Agree, and that you know she's doing great the educationally wise. So she's a math major, and she's starting already with. It, she's doing great. Like she talks to me, she still calls me and asks me for help, and I I love that. <laughs> it's nice to be needed. So, but like, progress as a Bitcoiner is also big, and um, I'm really looking forward to next weekend very very much. I'm looking forward to seeing everybody. I always love the meetup. It's badass in the library. Even though I have to say, I don't know if any, I don't, you know, I know people listen to this from like all over the world. We see the downloads. Oh, you know, all the hundreds of millions of people listening to oh, this. Yes. But like we do, see, we do see the download We just, we, we just recently crossed our 3,000th down, uh, consecutive download, total nice. download. So we're, we're killing it. Hell yeah. But I don't know how many, so I, I don't know how many Bitcoin meetups there are that take place on Saturday mornings at 10:30. Yeah, it seems so like that's a, definitely an unusual time. Well, just for your mental planning, I mean, you are uh, you're, you're, like so I am planning right now the October meetup that isn't scheduled officially yet. Um, October 28th, a Saturday is is when I am currently having it penciled in. It's going to be like pretty much all afternoon, so it's like you can come and go whenever you want. Yeah, nice. I have to tell you Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, and the library's cool, it, and it definitely gives it a different feel. I think in some ways it's like more intentional. You go to the library and you see it's listed as you know Central PA Bitcoin Meetup, and you get people that just show up that are just inter you know curious. Definitely gives it something different than you know all of the other hangs, like which is what my meetup is, just a hang at a bar right now, and like. You know, so I definitely appreciate it, and I think Saturday morning maybe gives it a different feel too. It's almost like the going to like see stand up. I, I don't know morning. that the Saturday morning so time slot unusual. is going to remain, um, but yeah. So our, our next meetup scheduled. This is, as far as I'm aware, this is our last scheduled meetup at the library in the basement. So yeah, this Saturday, yeah, ten to noon at Bosler in the basement, and then so the the what I'm planning for in at the end of October is a is going to be at the, the, the barn at Creek's Bend, which is next to the Carlisle Sports Emporium. And what this play, it's an event space where like they, they have like, they, they rent it out for weddings and all kinds of venues like that. But what they've been doing to try to pull people in, I guess they haven't had the, uh, 
rentals that they were hoping for, they started scheduling every Saturday, they bring in two local bands. Um, and then there's like from three to six, there's a local band. And then from seven to 10, there's another local band. But the, the, the barn itself is open from 2 p.m. till 10 p.m. And I'm pretty sure they have food there. I, I know they have bar, that drinks there because they, they, you can't bring, bring in outside alcohol. So I know there's drinks there. But I'm pretty sure they have food. So I'm like, my intention is that my wife and I, we're going to go out there today to, I mean, it's Saturday. We're going to go out to see uh, like whatever's going on over there today and hang out for a bit. Like we, we're taking the kids with us. So we're not going to hang out for a super long time. But uh, just like that's the uh, that's the idea of what's going to be happening in the future. Like the plan is as, as long as it all works out today and I don't have to just axe the entire concept. Um, yeah, it's like it's going to be just an event with like local music playing and then Bitcoiners are going to crash it. And like this is we're going to hang out like you can listen to music. You can talk about Bitcoin if you want. If you uh, if you want to walk next door and go to the Carlisle Sports Emporium, there's a whole huge arcade with all like crazy. There, there's laser tag. There's go-karts. There's a batting cage. It's a whole a whole area. So all kinds of stuff going on. I, I think it's like, yeah, I'm hoping to I know. I know of the be people that own it. They, they're they're local here in the area, and I've never I haven't I don't have a one to one connection with them, but like I know them th- through another uh, person, and I'm hoping to like finally like make their make their connection and like shake their hands and be like, hey, I represent X amount of local Bitcoiners, and we want to incorporate your Saturdays at the Barn events into with some frequency into our Bitcoin events, and then be like Bitcoin at the Barn or something like that. But I'll keep you guys updated. Nice. And also just shout out, shout out Lonely Pumpkins in the Central PA meetup. Yeah, he really is. And power, power listener of Rock, Paper, Bitcoin. Um, you know what? On this topic, I um, maybe I can mention something real quick that I've, I um, have a, through the creation of the Phoenixville Bitcoin meetup, um, I developed a relationship with um, a guy named Paul who um, is really central in helping us get this off the ground. Paul is an OG Bitcoiner who is an educator, really great educator. And we brought him, I mean, we, we asked him in the first meetup to do like a presentation and it was great. And like the guy is like the guy, he's like the guy you want at your meetup if noobs come and like really have like questions and dude, he can get, he can, you know, instead of answering one he question like, for two hours, I, I can, would describe him as a gray beard. Through, it's good to have like, gray beards you know. in your, uh, in your group. <laughs> he get... So he, Paul has a Thursday night and I just lonely pumpkins made me think of this because I was sharing with him. I was he, um, sharing this group with him. He has a Thursday night online meetup. And I'd been meaning to come. To, I'd been meaning to attend it for months, and I finally did last Thursday, and it was great. Um, it was only a few guys online, but we had a rip roaring two hour conversation about many things, and I forgot what time it was. And um, that's pretty amazing for an online meetup, I have to say. It's not like sitting at a bar sharing drinks and mingling with various different people. I mean, we were having focused conversation with like three or four guys. Um, so I, I, I say that because, um, you know, a lot of the things that I brought up and a lot of the answers that maybe I had for questions, um, contain, um, some background knowledge of what I talk about here and we caught up a lot, but anyone, uh, anyone who listens to this, who wants to go, we'll put it in the show notes, who wants to attend a Thursday night Very Zoom. Cool. Okay. I've asked Paul permission. He said, totally fine to plug it. Um, it's Circle B Consulting, and the, uh, we'll put it in pretty the, early we'll put it in on in whenever I set up our meetup group. I some of the early event. I mean, this was still back. I mean, back during COVID, and I was still like, I was still like abiding by the lockdowns that everybody else was. It's like our our earliest meetups were digital only, and I had. I mean, yep. If I have to compare them to like the foot traffic we've had, is like we've probably I've never had the amount of foot traffic at one of our physical in like meet space meetups that I've had. Like we, we were having like 70, 80 people show up but I was I was doing presentations on like this is a block explorer this is how you this is how you can like take an address or like a transaction ID and look it up and then I was like stepping forward and back basically I was trying to demonstrate um, that for people that had 
probably never like most people that were attending like they didn't even know what bitcoin was and like they were they weren't even at the 101 level they were just curious but my intention with these was to like show the mechanics of it to like this not like a vaporware thing it's actually there's gears behind it that you can comprehend if you take the time to try to um, yeah. but yeah there's there's a it's very valuable having online those kind of virtual meetups available that's neat that he's doing that Yeah, I mean, he, he really does it to reach out to noobs to educate them, but then he he does it every week, and so not every, you know, he it's doesn't always get a group those, of noobs every yeah, week. Yeah, those avenues for the noobs, like, like, like us getting from that zero to one, that, the zero to one, like getting yeah. your first sat is the hardest, biggest step of your journey in Bitcoin, and like getting, like, a, a lot of people aren't going to go out to a meetup and meet people in, in meet space for their first event, but like, joining joining a, a zoom call with your camera off and being a fly on the wall like that's a very low bar barrier to entry that a lot of people would i think would be a lot more comfortable with yeah and also like like my meetup it's um you know i am able to tell people like look if you guys really want to ask questions and in a focused way jump on thursday night zoom and I know several of them have already. It's great. It's a great place to basically say, look, I can't really help you right now here. Yeah, we can come back to it. In a focused way, but there's a place to go. Shout out to Paul. Shout out Circle B Consulting. And he's uh, he's in your area? How did you get connected with him originally? Did he just show up? Yep. He is... So he oh, ran, so he's the guy he that you ran, took the group over from. He ran the Exton gotcha. All right. meetup. Yes. I mean, I don't know if I I don't know if I I don't know if I'd say that exactly, because I think but I did like that's basically the continuity is conducive to say I don't actually know who came I mean, I don't actually know who from that meetup came. Um I know maybe one person that came, but like uh, it's there, like it's there for continuity for anybody who wants to travel a little further but not have to go, let's say, you know, 50 miles away, right? On the topic of uh, the meetups, so it's like another meetup that we have coming up is the uh, what, the Steelton Skate event, the skate contest in Steelton, yeah. PA. So over on over on your side of the Susquehanna, over on the, the Philadelphia side of the Susquehanna, is Steelton, and they have this is their third annual skate event, and this is the first one that the Central PA Bitcoiners are. We are a like a, an A tier sponsor of the event, so we're, we're contributing some some of the donate some donations for their prizes for one of their events, and then I'm yep. I'm trying to talk them into letting me take an S9 over there, which I will have like that I can plug into just one of their outlets in the skate park, and then have raid. Other than that, it's like what else? It's like we're donating, yeah, we're donating some stats to it, and then I'm getting a big. This is the first time. It's like on like for the budget of our club. Like I'm, I went to a local sign maker, and I'm getting a big, um, a big like two by three vinyl made with our logo on it, which will be cool to have. And then I like yeah, that that'll be good to have, but. It's, uh, I'm sure that'll be useful going forward. But like meetups in, spa in meet space meetups before, I've just put uh, like a miner on the table for like people that don't know us. It's like it's easy. Oh, like there's the Bitcoiners over there. There's a Bitcoin miner on the table. But now we'll have like a nice professional looking uh, vinyl sign that we can put up there. And uh, yeah, it, it should be interesting. The 28th. Shout out Baseload. Local Bitcoiner Baseload is a bad badass. I've, I met him at a uh, beefsteak, I think in Miami was the first Miami 21 was the first time I met him. But yeah, we, did, we neither of us knew that we were both from the same area. I mean dude, let's just let's just agree as an axiom it's just an axiom that skateboarding is cool. Always has been and probably always will be. And there's probably some wisdom to divine as to why and it's probably there's probably something we can learn about Bitcoin. Like what makes like what makes skateboarding cool like Maybe the fact that it's a little dangerous, but you can learn to you know, survive it and all that. Probably something to do with it, but skateboarding's fucking awesome. And um, have you ever skateboarded? Yeah, but I was never good at it. I like when I was a kid in the eighty, growing up in the eighties, I wanted to so bad. I wanted to be good at it, and I could never like I could never. I never had the balance to be good on a skateboard or a bike. Um, but I was, you know, 
super into the X Games when they first came out, and then all the video games. That was awesome. You know, there was something undeniably cool about people who were good at that shit. I grew up skateboarding. I uh, like so my parents didn't weren't really happy with me skateboarding. They like my my mom wanted me doing theater stuff, which I did. A, I did a ton of theater stuff. And my dad wanted me to do track and field, which I did, which I did a bunch of track and field stuff. But what I wanted to do was just leave school after school was over and go hang out at the skate park and skateboard. So I did that as much as I could on my own time, and I was pretty good at it. Like, I could, I could go back and forth up and down ramps and do, do a few lip tricks up on the edges of the vert ramps, but I was never... I think I landed one or two flip tricks in my in my entire career as a skateboarder. I, yeah, I was never super good at it, but I could ride I could ride a board pretty well. I was also I, I like snowboarding before that, and yeah, snowboarding translated into skateboarding fairly easily. But yeah, I agree. So there's the the general vibe of skateboarding and skate culture is I mean like fuck fuck authority. Like I'm I'm going to go where you tell me I can't skate, and I'm gonna I'm gonna skate there. So yeah, it's a Looking for uh, people that are like Bitcoiners they don't know yet. Yeah, there's. I think skateboarders are gonna inter- intersect with the freedom mindset of Bitcoin fairly, fairly intensely. Yeah, and I don't know. If there's some. There seems to be something about Central PA that attracts this culture. Um, there's a kid on my team who works for me and my team who I know is from Central PA, and he talks about. He's big into skateboarding, and he has a side company that makes gear, um, hats, and shit like that. Designs decals, stick on your board. And he's from Central PA, and he, he was, you know, he's very much um, talking about going to this event. And um, something there's there's something about the signal. I've always said this. There's always some, there's something about the signal at the heart of Central Pennsylvania that it just channels some of these things um and may as well just mention shane gillis had his put his netflix special out this week central pa um right mechanicsburg yeah. um and you know it was good guys should watch it and um if, if you watch it you can talk you can talk to me at the meetup about it <laughs> i have strong views about it um i haven't but, watched it yet it's good i highly recommend it. i mean you, you guys should watch live in austin that's his youtube first special it's one of the great comedy specials in my opinion that's ever been made um, and then this one is more of the special he got to make now that he is an established comic and he does some very ambitious bits. Uh, he's terrific. One of the elite comics in the world. And where can I watch it? Is it on YouTube? That's or? on Netflix. It's on Netflix. So okay. The first special, if you haven't seen the first special, I mean, everybody should go listen to Shane Gillis live in Austin. It is an all time great. I'm telling you guys, like I did stand up and. I did stand up in the scene that he came up in, and I like quit like the second he came on the Philly scene, and I, it's like my one regret. But because um, this guy is an elite, elite, incredible, brilliant comedian, and if all you know about him is that he got canceled from Saturday Night Live a couple of days after getting hired, um, that should just tell you something a little bit more about this guy's signal and the resilience. And he came up with a brilliant, brilliant all-time great special live in Austin last year. Got 13 million views. He had to produce it himself. And um, now he finally is getting his due, and he got his Netflix special. And so check it out. Central, really P- awesome. Central PA Signal. My, uh, my familiarity with him is related to he does that Protect Our Parks with Joe Rogan and Ari Shafir. And one other guy who his name is escaping me right now. And I've, but other than that, Matt I, McCusker, I really probably Matt McCusker is a big partner of him. And Matt's a guy I knew doing stand up in Philly, um, who I'm, I'm so happy to see his success too. And he's another one who's special you guys should check out. It's on YouTube. Well, normally we wouldn't have Netflix, but we, we have, we paid for a month of Netflix because my, my wife is home on maternity leave. So uh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll watch it. Heck yes. <laughs> and you know, I guess in relation to that, that's okay. I'm not going to go into it. But the only other thing I do watch on Netflix is a show called Love on the Spectrum, and I started watching that because Shane talks about it on his podcast, and it's pretty fucking good. <laughs> it's it's kind of cool. It's I started a, uh, going through the back catalog of Seinfeld again. Like I uh, I just started yeah. on season four of Seinfeld. Yeah, my du- Kayla and I watched every episode up until mid season seven of Seinfeld. I love yeah. Seinfeld. Classic television. Yep. The uh, 
uh, similarly, like I've been thinking of what other series I, I like I want to go through, and I haven't rewatched. It's been a while. I grew up watching Next Gen, and it's been a long time since I've watched the uh, all of like from beginning to end of all of the seasons. So that's so another that's one we pr- did. We watch every episode of Next Generation. We talk about it all the time. Definitely talk about it with her when she comes when she comes to meet you. We are that that's like it's incredible so how relevant old Star Trek continues to be in the world. Yes, and you know what's great? So if you get if you ever like talking to the audience, you guys ever really go back and watch Next Generation, you know, we're talking early we're talking early 90s, right? Late 80s, early 90s, right when the internet is starting to you know, come around and take hold and in my my impression is it really talks about how obsessed we were with this idea that computers were going to take over. This character of data mm. and um you know, every episode was somehow about how he is too strong and too smart, but yet he is alive and wants to be his own thing. And that's like not stop. That has not stopped. And then, you know, the current conversation today about AI is literally channeling the same exact spirit and the same exact curiosity and fear in a certain ways as well. Um, I really think it's worth going back and seeing how we were, how did we think about this and how was it so similar back in the late eighties and early nineties. It's incredible the diff- how the change in tone of how they were addressing artificial intelligence from the Roddenberry era to now like the reboot of Star Trek Picard. Mm. It's like there's the the classic episode, The Measure of a Man, of like the Riker has to has to um, he's forced into so the question is like is data a property of Starfleet or is he does yes. he have individual rights? Yes. And that that is like the the Uber question of the episode. And it's it's happening at a starbase that's understaffed. So Riker being the first officer is forced into acting as the prosecuting attorney and uh, the commanding officer Picard uh, gets to act as the defense um the defensive attorney. Yep. As they go what was the, the name Maddox is the sci- the Starfleet scientist who yeah, wants by to the way, disassemble real, data. Quick interruption. This I be- and I believe that at the time this conversation was really meant to be a metaphor for um, unborn children's rights, but at the same time coinciding with society's idea about, um, you know, AI. Yeah, I mean, use, using the artificial intelligence as and data as a layer to have a broader discussion. Yep. But so the, I mean, the episode culminates with a great Picard speech, one of the best Picard speeches. And um, it ends with them determining that Data has does indeed have individual rights, and he has the capacity for self determination. Um, so that was great. I mean, that's one of the beautiful one of the, like I grew up watching Star Trek. This is the reason that I'm nostalgic for Star Trek is because yeah. of like the beautiful core messages that it taught me growing up. Now enter Star Trek Picard. And so, okay, how does Star Trek Picard start? Oh well, it turns out AI. It turns out grow like it just went crazy, and humans decided to just mass produce them. And then AI went crazy, and it revolted against us. And so, humans are now xenophobic and racist against artificial intelligence. And it's such a bummer to take like the utopic vision of humans, humanity that is beyond the point of having these types of problems and then okay well no just like there's new producers of star trek now so we're going to just completely torch that utopic vision of their fu- of our future and like actually okay, so that went on for a while and then humans fell back into warlike uh like racism and xenophobia and like subjugation well all, you know, so it's Thunder interesting Picard all, isn't great season three is pretty good so this season is what i have really like awesome. yeah the modern day productions of anything are like the world economic forum has taken over the studios of all yeah, this stuff but, yes well you know just to contrast that the very first episode of star wars next generation is um you know Q, what did you say star wars next generation i'm um, sorry star trek the next generation <laughs> although we should I, I should i should morph them in some way but the the, the, the first episode of tng is q the over- encounter at farpoint yeah, Q is even a bigger power, right? It's more powerful than humans. And he has the human race on trial, and that's the Picard. Picard is the avatar for the human race, that, and he is trying them for crimes against humanity. And it is a big—that show is so much about the struggle of being human without the Malthusian influence of, like, we suck and we should just get rid of them. But it does exist. Star Trek is like— I mean, I grew up watching Star Trek Next Gen and then pivoted into Voyager and then 
I mean, Voyager and Deep Space Nine were on at the same time, but I never really watched Deep Space Nine. I mean, it was it was on later, and uh, it's just a, it what never really captured my attention at the time. But then I went back and watched DS Nine as an adult, and DS Nine is now my favorite of all of the series. Interesting. So I never got into any of the other ones, and I didn't really like the first Star Trek, the one that everybody loved with you know Kirk and all that. However, the original series, right? Okay. I, I have to tell, I have to inform you, and I have to inform the audience. Um, fish signal alert right here. So there's a little bit of a fish crossover in Star Trek, The Next Generation, and it is because in 1994, when Fish was recording an album, they happened to be next door to Jonathan Frakes. It was like next door to him. And Jonathan Frakes, uh, Jonathan Frakes Asterix, Penn State grad. Is that right? This is amazing. Yes, it is. Oh my God. Yeah. So Jonathan Frakes, who plays William T. Riker, um, the produ- his friends, obviously, with his next-door neighbor, who is the producer, and I wish I remember the guy's name. Um, I don't. But he, he's friends with the producer, and he says, hey, you want to see Fish record? Sure. And you guys know Jonathan Frakes uh, and his character are both play the trombone. And so they say, hey, bring a trombone over. The band would love... They, you know, Fish, was b- they were big fans of Next Generation, so they were tickled to have Jonathan Frakes come over and check him out. And on the album, there is a song... That's 45 seconds long, called Riker's Mailbox. And it, is, it sounds like a cacophonic uh, array of trombone sounds. Oh, but so he, he played for it? He did. He played. He laid Beautiful. down a track. And Riker's Mailbox, it is immortalized. I'm not sh- I'm going to have to check if it's ever been played live. I don't think it has. Um, be hard to do. But um, there you go. Fun fact. But to me, you know, you guys know, look, whether you guys like it or not, I look at associations with fish as signal and so i'm gonna i'm gonna mention something that came up this week regarding a a collision between something in our world and something in fish's world that's so oliver anthony you mind if i go into this real quick nah the rich man north of richmond man oliver anthony is um i think we all know who he is he's an extraordinary figure at the moment okay and yeah, my spidey senses tell me that he's a he's like a legit kind of pleb like figure who's trying to figure out his shit. I in get the, world. the same vibe from him. He keeps doing things very correctly. Yeah, uh, yes, and which like th- ex- yes, that's a great way to put it, right? It's like he seems to maintain his frame in the face of um, a world that is trying to pull him apart. Yeah, the world is right. trying to put him into a category, and he's just refusing to be categorized. So, and he look, this song is a great song, but I like I I maintain that this is about the man. The story is about the man right now, and the man is is spitting signal, and we should be listening and checking it out. And so, so having said that, I've noticed. So I now get recommendations on my YouTube page of songs of his, and I noticed a cover of his called "The Ballad of Curtis Lowe." It's a cover that is a Leonard Skinner cover and um, happens to also be a cover that Fish is well-known for playing, at least back in the day. Um, so when I see these little connections, this is, when I, this is when I wake up and I say, okay, you know, now like, I'm starting to see, like, they cover similar songs. There's a similar spirit. I mean, look, the thing about, the thing about Fish is they did everything right, too, like in, in the face of every band selling out and all that and making bad decisions. Their decisions seem to be spot on for ever. They've never really had that moment where they lost it, mm-hmm. um, you know, in terms of losing their integrity. And this guy is, if, I would say if Oliver Anthony is somehow can hear my voice, uh, learn about the band fish, my friend, and see how you, you can maintain your frame in an ugly business. And The Ballad of Curtis Lowe is a, maybe we will attach a link in the show notes to it in case you don't want me to beg you to use it as outro music this time around. But <laughs> but it is about a musician. It, Leonard Skinner, it was about this like, kind of like old black guitar player, kind of like a Bleeding Gums Murphy, if you watch The Simpsons, like a Bleeding Gums Murphy type. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's just about how you know a kid growing up just did everything, scrapped every cent he could to go get, 
like to a see him play and to give him money to incentivize him to play his music and that's the song they're they're connected by oliver anthony definitely has the mentality like he he's a bitcoiner and doesn't know it yet um and, i mean it's quite it's quite possible he owns bitcoin and just hasn't I mean, actually, he, from what he says, like, it doesn't sound like he has many resources, but like his mentality is like, he's clearly the Bitcoiner mentality and has just not rap, like done, done the work or had enough people around him that are Bitcoiners for him to realize that signal yet. Um, but just looking at like his song, grow, like his song blowing up, the first people that I saw sharing it before, like I shared it from Walker of the of the Bitcoin couple, Walker and Carla. Yep. Like he was the first person I saw sharing the content. Um, but yeah, it was, it was all Bitcoiners that were blowing up Oliver Anthony, and be, because I feel like Bitcoin now, like un, like pseudo underground, has grown, has blossomed to such a level now that whenever Bitcoin, like the Bitcoin network, finds something that we find compelling, we are able to then amplify it to a national stage in a way that hasn't existed before. So like, I, I don't, I, I don't know what level of success the Richmond North of Richmond owes itself to the Bitcoin network. But days before, like easily 24 hours before I started seeing it from other avenues, not even mainstream avenues, but like um, meme avenues, um, I saw on Bitcoin Twitter. It was on Bitcoin Twitter first. Absolutely. Like that's that's interesting to notice. You know, this is why I focus so much on the fish thing. One, it's going to be fun. It's fun to share fairy tales and they inspire us and they get us through hard times. However, this dude... Wrote a song whether in his he so you got a guy who's not a bitcoiner and he has a song with a line that says your dollar ain't shit. Yeah, like okay. right. It's that signal has gotten to the point that non bitcoiners are talking about that. But like this line, I have to say, guys, is a Bob Dylan quality like the, uh, like line. You, you know, like it really drives. Like that's the line that I that sticks with me in that song, right? And it, that he got he pulled it off in a song, and it resonates. It, people understand it, and it resonates. Yeah, I mean, this is there's something here, and so I wanted to mention that. I wanted to mention the connection, and that's why, you know, it's not. I mean, it's hard to watch him and not feel like really feel something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you can. I can feel. I, I feel that listening to him sing, I feel I know the man. It's. It, it's. It's not. There's a genuineness in his voice and his performance that is you can't fake. Which I think is one of the reasons why he's resonating with so many people out there is because of it's. It's genuine, and people can see it. Yeah. Now, Bitcoiners don't walk on water, guys. We all know that. And you know, maybe, maybe that's a lead into something I. Some uh, current event that's going on. I mean, we probably should talk a, a little bit about this, um, the fact that Ripple bought Fortress Trust. And I don't, you know, I'm not trying to pile on, pile on the swan party thing, but it... It's definitely, yeah, it's dangerous to put people on pedestals and for even, for people to think that they have, like, they have the voice that everybody else should listen to because, like, like, nobody's perfect. Yeah, that's the thing. So, because the thing that I... There's two real points for a podcast for the guys you guys who listen. Two big points that I feel like are relevant here. One is the one that I've been saying over and over again, and I've written about, which is just that institutions are not individuals. Institutions didn't cannot have the time preference of an individual, and institutions can be corrupted even if by good people. And I really think the thing that the thing that hurt Swan, in my opinion, it was just this desire to go public. In my and it, they, so you have a group of Bitcoiners and you're branded as for Bitcoiners by Bitcoiners, and you know, like it's largely true in my observation of them. Except you then entered this fiat game, right? Where you yeah. tried, you you made this, you made yourself about acquiring fiat capital, and I think that it was very hard to articulate what this uh, rift, what this inauthenticity was, but everybody felt it. In my opinion, I would go to meetups and people would say, certainly in the last year, I don't know what's going on with Swan, but something's off. Something's yeah, weird. Yeah, it's that genuineness feeling. There, like there was something in the air about, yeah, I, I agree. And it's just, it's, so it's just, I think it's just like as simple as that. Like, and I don't, and I think that um, I'll stand by, I don't know if public companies 
is for Bitcoin companies just works. And I just don't know if it's even a viable aspiration, right? I think, or if it's the beginning, it's, is it so inauthentic and so out of integrity for a Bitcoin company to campaign for public money? Um, you know, most, you know, the batting average is really low for, <laughs> for making it. And I mean, like the, the idea of starting a legacy company. So it, it has occurred to me that we are now at an interesting point in history. So like, um, so like drug dealers, people that sold weed back historically could operate largely if they were cash based outside of the law, which is why, why it was ubiquitous. Like, okay, pretty much anybody can do this job that has the ability to, to source the material and source a network of people willing to buy it. It's like, it's pure, just it's salesmanship. Um, but like you were operating cash based because I'm, I'm the dollar, there were no other, other options. Now enter Bitcoin. We've now entered an era where we now have a digital cash. So people have an opportunity now to, they, they could start a business outside of the boundaries of the law, like never declaring that, Hey, so-and-so jurisdiction, I have started a business in your jurisdiction Like you could just start a business operating on Bitcoin alone, like sourcing your stuff online from other Bitcoiners. And then if you can source a network of clients that are Bitcoiners, you, I mean, it's like you, it's require all these requirements, but like you could operate a business entirely outside of the jurisdiction of the dollar now anywhere on earth. Not not anywhere on Earth, well, but cer- cer- certainly anywhere in America. It's and it's like it's interesting that your dollar ain't uh, shit. The dollar ain't shit. Like no, your it, it, dollar ain't shit. Your dollar. That's a big word. The word your, right? Mm. It's like no, you are not like me. You there's yes. a me and there is a you, and your dollar ain't shit, right? And it's like that's why it's so inauthentic because we do have that mentality. Okay, he basically he has given life and given words to this mentality that it is us and them, and like, you know, you can't like if you were one of such a weed dealer and then you decided to go for an IPO, you. Well, right, it's like the, there is no such thing as yeah. The, so yeah, so Swan wanting to IPO that the IPO is the fiat concept that's invading into them. They're trying to sell themselves as this Bitcoin native bit, like company for Bitcoiners. But yeah, it's like fiat just torches everything it touches. It's fiat ruins everything. Uh, it's Jimmy Song's new book. Um, I you know I think a good way to look at this is was it Jimmy Song's new book or was that Lynn? It's Jimmy Song's new book. Fiat ruins everything. Lynn Alden's everything. new book is called, uh, I think, Broken Money. Broken, okay, you're um, right. That. But look at, I, I look at Swan as a stress test. Um, like, they have, ter- they have really smart people there. I respect a lot of them tremendously. I still do, right? This doesn't, sure. this isn't like, you know, this doesn't affect any of my respect for these guys as Bitcoiners, and I can go down. I can go down the line of all the people that are there that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and you know, like guys, we're going to be seeing them. We're going to be seeing all these people forever. So just like, get used to it. Um, but it's a stress test in terms of still how powerful fiat still is, because if, even if this group couldn't resist it, mm-hmm. right? They found a way to convince themselves that it was all fine, that this was, an, you know what I mean? And these are like really some of the smartest guys in the space, right? As they say all the time, but like it's true. But so if these are like the smartest guys in the space, and I do believe that that's the case, some, with especially certainly with some of these, some of these guys, I would, I would, I would die on that hill. It's a, it's a stress test that got, that has been failed and this demonstrates the power of fiat money still. It's like all of us are still, yeah, playing the musical chairs of fiat of like, how, how can, what, what further value can you suck out of the old system as we get ready for the next system? And I want to be clear about something. Um, the reason I talk about it is because I just don't think, I, I don't think this discussion is that focused around Swan's desire to go public. And I, because I think that's the, I do think that's the thing that broke. I think that's the straw that broke the machine, because that's what unraveled this relationship with Prime Trust and where they that forced al- them to play ball in that fiat system. Well, they allowed Prime Trust 
to really have a they allowed themselves to get into a special relationship with them where Prime Trust sponsored Pacific Bitcoin last year. They were the lead right. sponsor. They were the lead sponsor. They were the reason that they were able to have that conference, right? So like they took some serious mafia money. Now maybe they didn't know, maybe they did, you know, but the reality is you always know. Look, if you're a Bitcoiner, you're kind of smart enough to know that you're careful about who you take money from, right? Yeah. So they it was the desire i believe it was the desire that to go public that turned that into an acceptable idea right it made the conference worthwhile towards that end and, and you know allowed them to make that choice this was a this was a consequential choice for them and it just gets worse and worse and worse so i'm not looking to like rub in their face the fact you know whatever it means now we all know it's a bad outcome I just want yeah. like to be like to be clear to people listening. I I'm interested in the um, like I'm interested in the attribution, as you all know. Like I'm interested in associating the cause, and I just think that this the reason I talk about it is because it reinforces two things: one, hodling is a human action; Bitcoin is for individuals first, and two, I actually don't think that it's like that Bitcoin institutions is publicly traded companies on fee, you know, playing that fiat game is a, I just don't know if that works. Yeah. We're at an awkward stage of history right now. And yeah, people still have those weird priorities of like the, the IPO exit. It's like, uh, if you build something quick enough, like the entrepreneur that you build something, pivot it to an IPO and then you, you get your founder's money back out. I mean, that's how, like, how yeah. Elon, the rich, one of the richest men in the world. I mean, that's how like, that's what he did. He, Founded X or the uh, zip zip.com and then they, they pivoted. They sold it and pivoted to the next thing. I specify like, how, that though because how is that going to work in a post Bitcoin world? So it's not right. It's just no. It's just not. But also like still exposing the desire to want that fiat money. You know, look the fact of the matter. We talked about this before. Fiat is overvalued relative to Bitcoin by a lot. We all know that. That's not a secret, yes. right? And some of us have fiat jobs, like me. Right? I got my fiat job because it just pays too much not to do it. Right? Um, it's hard to turn it down at the moment. Yeah. Right? And it was not easy to leave my paycheck behind. It's like, and if, if I didn't have a, yeah, if I wasn't staying at home to take care of our offspring, yeah, I, I would have a fiat job right now. It's really hard to do it. It's really hard to uh, cut yourself off from that. It's, it's you know, it's very, very, it makes it very difficult. And I think that if you're competing in an industry now, look, I mean, like, look, Corey talked a lot correctly about how hard it was to be a Bitcoin only company, just as it is, right? How do you do it? How do you compete with, yeah. how do you compete with the VC money? You can't, right? And so maybe he called it immediately and maybe his capitulation to this fact was needing to go public and at least take public's money where it's not VC money. And, that, you know, that's like how maybe he rationalized that relative to taking VC money and being totally compromised as like a shit coiner was unacceptable. That was a line he would never cross mm -hmm. potentially, but not necessarily taking from the general fiat idiot who's just willing to <laughs> provide capital to capital markets because they believe in their retirements or whatever. Right. That was not a line. That was not a red line, but I do think that was the, it's still, like, you know, it's still the basic inauthenticity. And I just think that, like, the other thing is they, you know, they didn't see the, the they still didn't see the issues with Prime Trust even to the end, right? It's like, at least, like, you like their peers, Fold, Coinbits, Strike, you mm -hmm. know, they saw the issue pretty early. And, you know, some of them reacted later than others on it, right? But none of them were buttering their those companies bread and they were and therefore maybe i'd say they were able to see those issues earlier whereas it's like swan unfortunately was in this situation where they couldn't even see it because of maybe because of this relationship they had with them yeah there was i mean it's it's like this lesson had to be learned by by the by the space it's yes like, and yeah i agree and i th you know like all the like the company will probably be fine, and all the like all our friends that work there are going to be okay, and everything like that. It's just I don't. Yeah, think, like I haven't paused my DCA with them. Yeah, I just don't think that the 
like pleb society will allow them to gain such influence as they had. I don't think they'll recover that position, but I think they will do good work. I think they will take a lot of the BlackRock IOUs and turn them into real Bitcoin for people. Um, you know, I do so like, in, to be fair, right? I mean, it's like, let's acknowledge also what I think, what we think they'll do. You know, they, they are a company that does shit in the space. It's just that they tried to get a little too fiat. They tried to be a little too like, you know, we are like maybe the, the Goldman private wealth and, you know, sort of conducted their company that way. And I think they got, it's more a reputational thing than anything yeah, else. Yeah, I was. This reminds me more of uh, Breedlove when, like, Breedlove started like fucking around with some shitcoin at one point. Um, yeah. Yes. And like he he paid the price reputationally. Like I, I feel that he has clawed his way back from whatever morass he was in there. But th- that's what this strikes me as. Like this isn't. I don't think Swan's going to fail over this. This is not like an FTX like a rugging event or something like that. This is a. Yeah. This is a crisis of mora- of morality of of spirituality. However. The problem is, um, I've had this conversation with people who, I guess, people who know Breedlove. Um, you know, there's a big difference between, there's a reason why Breedlove is being, has been redeemed and why Nick Carter has not. Right? Nick Carter Why is, is that? Because Nick Carter is still saying, you know, fuck you, you guys, you guys are idiots, you're lucky to have me. Oh, that's, that's right. Okay, yeah, you he's still fighting the ocean like still doing fight. it like he literally yeah. tweeted something yesterday and he's you know he's leaning he thinks that leaning into this star beginning he thinks leaning into his shitty memes is gonna like actually help him he hasn't acknowledged the very basic flaw that got him in trouble to begin with and that is why he can't be really he just can't be redeemed whereas you know I mean, no, Breedlove I don't, seems like, to have asked for forgiveness. He seems yeah. to be contrite, and he seems I to think, be— I think right? Nick Carter could be redeemed, but yet he's going to have to climb out of a much deeper hole than Breedlove dug for himself. And I don't think Corey—I I still don't think Corey has arrived at that place yet, and I think, like, his whole—his behavior— right. He's still digging. Blocking—you know, his star, his star rising is the equivalent now of he's just blocking people on Twitter who like certain posts, and he's just being kind of, you know— and you look, I think that in fairness, you guys got to understand as a company that's going public, they're not allowed. They, he's probably not allowed to say certain things, and it's this is why it doesn't work. Like if you can't be honest with your customers, and you can't be honest on Twitter. How the fuck are you going to run a Bitcoin company for Bitcoiners? Like Jesus Christ. So, but that's the space I think he's in. That's the spot I think he's in. Well, I mean, it's going to be interesting to keep watching unfold. It's like, it's, like I I don't know that this would have been a, this is one of those things where like the tide goes out and you f- figure out who's wearing shorts who's who has a suit on it's like this kind of thing would not be a problem in a bull market because everybody's euphoric and everybody's a genius in a bull market but this is yep. one of those like the tide has gone out and the max like the the only the people that remain are the people that have chosen to remain in the church and so like somebody who is is going to be is causing like heresy and is preaching one thing and then not living up to what he's preaching. Like there's Bitcoiners are not going to tolerate that. Yeah, if I could paraphrase you here, if we stay at a bull market, Prime Trust, their Ponzi, right, that they had to create because mm. they fucked up and they lost a bunch of ETH. Okay, and this is what happens yeah. when you focus on ETH and you don't focus only on Bitcoin. You get sidetracked and you fuck up, and you had to sell all your customers' accounts to buy ETH to meet withdrawals and you did this for two years under the nose of all of the great bitcoin companies that thought they were using a qualified custodian um and so what you're saying now i agree with you is had the market never retracted that ponzi would have basically gone on indefinitely and we still would not know that that there are any issues of prime trust I wonder if do do you think Binance is gonna survive this this bear market or are is it like seems like they seem kind of resilient. Um, I really don't know enough, right? Other than to say that they, oh God, I mean they've lasted this long, so I I see no reason to think that they don't have. They seem to have a lot of tricks up their sleeve. So, I mean, like I, I was a, I used Binance way back in the day when I was a shitcoiner. I mean, back before Binance US and all. Like it, this was years and years ago. I was, I was probably 
an earlier user of Binance. Um, but I mean, like once once you get into Bitcoin, the need for those types of services goes away. So I I haven't touched them in in years at this point. Um, yeah. But yeah, the same like the thing remains. Like I I get the same feeling from them that like I got the I got from BlockFi. I remember I remember the feeling from BlockFi. It's like I just I don't I there's lots of people like singing your praise. I just don't trust you. I'm not gonna use you. I got the same feeling from FTX. It was like it's like this. Just something seems wrong about this. Like the kind of people that I see ranting and raving about FTX are not people that I would take their opinion on anything. Like like where to get my car's oil change, let alone like where to invest my child, my my kids' savings. Like and that that same feeling. I get that feeling from Binance. But it's like oh yeah, Bin- I think Binance is still around. Binance is basically a better FTX, right? Yeah. Right. Um, it's it's the place where you can get infinite, effectively infinite leverage on shit coins. It's like, I mean, but like I would on say a long enough time AOA, scale, like, that's right? gonna fail. Yeah, on a long time scale, probably right. Yeah, it's it's not. It's basically pumped by fiat. So, but they figured out how to stay pumped, right? Maybe the Binance failure will be the thing that causes the next bear market. Like, so once we're out of this bear market, we're in the next bull. Like. I don't know, 100,000, 300,000, whatever. Like, but I mean, that's not gonna, it's not a bull market forever. There's going to be like the next thing that causes the next bear market. Like maybe that will be Binance five years from now. I think they try. I think this whole push to get BlackRock going, the ETF, I think they tried to get Binance, to get rid of Binance and they right. failed. Yeah, no, I, my read of FTX was like FTX was the chop shot run by the CIA and the CIA was trying mm-hmm. to fuck over Binance like on like the the real the real war in the world is a currency war. Like all of this other like um, kinetic shit is downstream of the currency war. And I, one of the earlier things that it was like proof to anyone who is lit, like watching that the world is in a currency war right now was watching what FTX tried to do against against Binance. And and CZ was like, uh uh-uh, uh, no, I'm gonna okay. In response to what you're doing, like I see what you're doing, and they just dumped all of their FTX tokens at, at market, and that fucked them. That fucked FTX. Yeah, and I know. Look, we've been meaning to talk about Star Wars for the last two episodes, but the but FTX attempting to, um, you know, basically go up against CZ was like uh, it was like Luke Skywalker the first time he went up against Darth Vader, and how he, right. Darth Vader was just toying with him, and it was yeah. So, Luke was lucky he just got his hand cut off. It was so outmat. He was lucky that he was his dad and he cared about him. Yeah, that, SBF spoiler alert: asshole cut off by some, in some federal <laughs> prison. Yeah, I mean, so, but speaking of CIA and feds, though, I, so I have one other item around this topic that has been bothering me for a while, which is, why is BlackRock in bed with Coinbase? Why would BlackRock even take a meeting with Coinbase, let alone base their, in my, you know, in my view of things, sort of base the next generation of what they want to do, which is, as I've mentioned before, get, get out of bonds, and they replace it with Bitcoin. Replace it with Bitcoin as the risk-free asset, and <clears throat> like, why would they even look if they if that was existential to to BlackRock? Why would they even look at Coinbase? And my only conclusion is that Coinbase is the Fed. Okay. And that they don't. Maybe that's they put a certain amount of trust. Like you know, they're just like, don't worry, <laughs> mm. you know, and they don't understand Bitcoin enough to know why they should worry. But so yeah, I mean, Bitcoin like from from Mount Gox to FT, like Bitcoin is the thing that calls all the bullshit. Like Bitcoin's the thing that wrecks all of the people ultimately. That's right. Bitcoin is the balancing item. Yeah. You know? Bitcoin because you can't fuck with Bitcoin. That's a great way to look at it. Bitcoin is the ultimate. Bitcoin is finally we have uh, a system of weights and measurements that you can't put a finger on. Yeah. We, we've had a marketplace of people right. fucking with the measurements m- the entire existence of humanity. And finally, we're entering a, an era where we're going to have proper... We're, we're going to know what the weight of one kilogram actually equals. That's right. That's right. It's the it's can't be manipulated. It's the measurement that's objective and can't be manipulated. I mean, that sounds naive, and I'm sure, I'll have to, I'm sure when I hear this, myself say this back, I'll probably start thinking about how that will manipulate it. But, you know... In our in the universe of in the universe of plebs, right? Those of us who can have our eye on it, it's let's just say there exists a world in which it can't be manipulated, and we may have to kill fiat to get there. Yeah, 
right? Yeah, you kill fiat individually. Like I've, I'm trying to kill fiat out of my own life, and that's hard enough. So, like doing it on a species-wide level. Like this is this it's is. It's gonna a, take uh, a long time, by the way. It's gonna take a while. It's like building a pyramid. This is an intergenerational struggle that our children are gonna have to take up the mantle that we're fighting. Yes, but we may actually. It may last longer than the pyramid, right? We may actually have it. Oh, we definitely have 10,000 yeah. years and 10,000 years from now, right? Um, the, you know, so the talk, pyramids are blocks. I guess it's on, like, yeah, on this exchange Coinbase BlackRock thing, um, mm -hmm. one other piece of news that happened this week that um, I want to mention because I have an opinion about it is the um, guys, FASB fair value approval. I'm not trying to be like a rabbit hole recap here and go through news. I just, I want to, I want to focus on this for a second. Because there's a point, sure. because there's a uh, there's a general view I have of this. Um, you know, look, I've been I'm not an accountant, I'm an actuary, but I've been involved with FASB for my entire career, and I, everybody's very excited about um, this FASB. FASB is the Financial Accounting Standards Board, and they are giving fair value treatment to Bitcoin. Which means, so in the past, if Bitcoin went down, you know, if Bitcoin went down, got cut by 80%, you actually might have to write your Bitcoin down on your balance sheet. So you're, And then you'd never get to write it up when it came back up. That's just the way it was accounted right, okay. for in the past. And so the way, when you say fair value accounting treatment, it means it's just going to be pegged to the XBT USD and whatever it does, it does on your books. So um, everyone's very excited about that. So, like, for example, MicroStrategy and their 130,000 Bitcoin, right, they're going to be able to now, they're going to be able to say that in assets they have, what is it, one, you know, however, two billion of two billion of USD on their balance sheet, whereas before they, it was a fraction of that, right? Yeah. So, that so like, it's being marked to market on a continuous basis? Is that, what's, is that what's going on? Or at least on a quarterly basis when you, on a quarterly when, basis. When you uh, give your 10 Qs. Right? Every time you update the paperwork, you're doing a mark-to-market, yeah, as opposed same, to just recording your, your purchase price? Yeah, the same. so like the same way you would do on any other like asset that has a price. Right, okay. Right? I'm vaguely aware of FASB. My, my wife is a CPA. She's a manager at, at a local CPA firm. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of outside of my wheelhouse, but okay. Uh, but I'm here's my problem. understanding. Here's my problem. I don't need anyone to understand accounting. I, what I need... I have a very simple problem that okay. I kind of hope people can uh, latch onto here, which is in the we just talked about Swan not knowing <laughs> Prime Trust had lost keys, maybe not their customers' keys, but someone else's just, customers' keys, yeah. and that caused them to sell all customers' accounts. Right? Yeah. Prime Trust is one of four qualified custodians that's allowed to actually, um, you know, hold Bitcoin for this purpose. So what's th think about now all of the perceived value in Bitcoin that's going to exist on companies' balance sheets, and they may or may not know whether or not they can move the Bitcoin. They may not know whether the coins are lost. What happens if a bunch of coins are lost? Clearly, whoever the custodian is is going to pretend they're not. Right. Yeah, I'm just a mat. Like human humans are not going to change. Somebody is going to claim that these coins are that have not moved. Oh yes, these are absolutely part of our balance sheet. So, but here's the beauty of Bitcoin. And so, if you have gold on your balance sheet, right? Like if you're the U.S. Let's just say you're the U.S. government and you have gold on your balance sheet. Do you do an? Are you audited? Can you be audited? Right. You can't. Well, theoretically, you could be. Well, Bitcoin untheoretically you can prove you could move your coins. And I think you should you have also, to. I think you should so have like, to. So you could move your coins. I mean, you could also sign a message from that exactly. from the same private key. Exactly. So you don't have to actually move them. You can just sign. As what I'm saying is it's trivial to, make, to prove that you actually have your coins. And mm -hmm. I believe you should be required to do that in order to tell financial markets that you possess this value on your balance sheet. You should not be allowed to take the credit. MicroStrategy shouldn't be allowed to say, I have $2 billion worth of Bitcoin unless 
it unless comes, they can cough up the keys to prove it. Unless it comes with a signature, especially since they're That's not interesting. So self custody. Currently, you're just taking the the word of the of the custodian. Is that is that how it's like it's currently? That's correct. And I believe, a, I mean, not that I'm a big rules guy, but I believe if we're in this fiat space and there's already a rule that allows you to declare the value, then such a rule will, I think, raise the standards of the custody and make it, I think, far less likely and maybe less impactful if and when the day does come that um, keys get lost, yeah. right? I mean, if, if you're holding MicroStrategy's keys and they can't, you're, you're the one in the, in the way of giving them their $2 billion on their balance sheet, you better believe MicroStrategy is now going to have much more, uh, even at, you know, say 100 years from now, right? When everyone's gone, right? These rules will be in place, rules potentially be, I mean, this whole system will not exist, but like. How frequently does FASB change the rules now? It's very infrequent. It's very hard to do. Very, very hard to do. The, is the, okay. FASB is almost as ossified as it gets. Uh, it's just very political. Um, you know, we just went through, um, they just, I just went through a tr big transition called, it's called LDTI. I don't want to get too technical here, but basically it was a big fair value change in the insurance and pension space. And I've been watching this take place over 20 years. So like if people think that like BIPs are hard, mm -hmm. like these things, they wait, like they waited for uh, presidential administrations to change to suggest <laughs> to suggest some of these changes. Huh. And it okay. takes a very long, very, very long time to make. Usually they're very hard to get through. So it sounds like it's politics. It's proof of stake versus <laughs> proof of work. Yeah, but it's also like when it comes to market value, right? When it comes to marking to market, it's there's a very strong bias in FASB that there better be a damn good reason you're not doing it if you can. So in other right. words, if something has a market value, that's that's like the king, right? That's the that's the apex predator of balance sheet uh, methodology is well, use the market price, right? A lot of things, in, like in my world, don't have a market value. Like the long, t you know, the value of a fifty-year promise on someone's annuity doesn't have a market value. So then you get into all the stupid math that helps, you know, that that gets them to agree <laughs> that it's valid to take, you know, that it's a valid statement of a liability. So where you get so uh, not everything has a market value. Right, mm. but if it does, the bias is definitely that it should definitely be used, and it made no sense for Bitcoin not to be treated this way. It made zero sense. Well, I will. Uh, I'll, I'll run this your, your idea past my wife and see what she thinks about it. I mean, it doesn't. It does not surprise me that FASB is outdated and does not quite match up with the world that we're building for ourselves with Bitcoin. Um, so what I'm saying, this is a great rule. It's important. However. Somebody, you know, it tells me there's no Bitcoiners there because if there was a single yeah. Bitcoiner there, they'd be like, yeah, but wait a second. You mean right. they can do this without proving they can actually move the coins? That's bullshit. Bullshit.